Hey everybody, welcome to Now It's Awkward, where we talk about life, love, family, and relationships. I am Jeff. I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Brittany. See how good we're getting? We're, I cued it. We talked about it, and we I think we nailed that. Yeah, sucker. we're doing real good. That was that was great. That was awesome. I'm proud of us for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, welcome guys. Uh, thanks for checking in uh, this week. We've got a fantastic, amazing show. You're gonna love it. I feel like this one might get a little heated. I'm not sure. It's like, not going to get heated. We were talking about it a little bit before we started, and hopefully we don't start like roasting each other or something. I, I, I don't anticipate that we will. We, we know that no matter what, we're going to end this conversation loving each other. We're going to give each other a hug, maybe a little dap we'll at the end. We'll hug it out. A what? Yeah. <laughs> so how, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we went to Taylor Swift this past week, and let me tell you, that was the best concert I've been to in my entire life, and I don't think anything else could ever top it. Okay, well, let me let me ask then, because it could be the only concert you've ever been to in your it's life. It's not. Have you been to Taylor Swift before? I've been to Taylor Swift one other time. This was years ago. Like, I'm talking, Were you like teenager? I think it was like my very last year of high school, maybe early college. I can't remember. Um, and it was good, but it wasn't like... What this album is that? Was. Because she does like an album every every year, every other year. Um, it's, it feels that way to me. Yeah, almost every year. She had two come out in 2020, I think, during the pandemic. And then usually one every year. I don't remember. Honestly, that's been way too long since then. But it was like everyone in that place, which we were at the Houston Arena, which is the NRG Stadium. And you said yep. how many people can be held I think it's there? like 65,000. Every seat was taken and people were like, I mean, the whole place was just rocking out. Everybody knew every word to her song, unless you were like, uh, I think there was a mom next to me who was with her daughter, who is probably like 10 or something. She knew a couple of the songs, but otherwise she was just kind of, you know, driving it out. With her her head. That's what I would have done. And any of the guys that were in the stadium were just sitting down the whole time looking at their phone because they, you know, either they came there with, with their, their daughter or their yeah. wife or whatever. And they were like, I don't probably didn't want to be there, but they were just chilling, sitting in no, their they seat. No, they want to make it look like they don't want to be yeah, there. Yeah, well, that's a concert to be at because it was 90 eight percent girls there <laughs> so everyone had on their coolest outfit like i'd never seen so many sequins in one place and it was just really fun to see all the the outfits and i mean taylor call her what you want but i mean she is such an entertainer and like her lyrics to her songs are just i mean half the time i don't even know what she's talking about because they're so deep yeah um a lot of her songs and Everybody was just like singing every single word. I mean, Sydney was just like screaming out the the words to every song. I knew pretty much almost every song. There was a couple that I didn't know. Um, I'm not familiar with like the Evermore album, I think it is. But I mean, I, I know it's been hyped up. Like everybody's talking about how great it, it is. But it truly is like such a fun concert to be at. Yeah, I think um, I, I appreciate people that can really put on a show, uh, regardless of what you think of their music. And some people may not be into like the pop phase or the country phase, but it just seems like everything is going to be really entertaining. The videos that you sent me or the videos you posted just sound like everyone's having just a great time. Yeah, it, it was. She's very um, like she can put on the show, but then she can come down and talk to you and play on the piano or play an acoustic guitar just by itself. So it's not all just like about their performance. 
it's just a little bit of everything sprinkled in. So do you wish you were Taylor Swift instead of Brittany Warren? <laughs> I mean, sometimes that would be awesome, but honestly, I don't think I could deal with that type of like that life that yeah, uh, always think, on the road yeah. doing everything. Yeah, that would not be the life for me. Speaking of the life we live, it's about to get more chaotic. We're in the last The kids get out of school on May 24th. Oh, man. So we've got like less than 20 days, actual school days left. And yeah, I've signed them up for camps and (laughs) (laughs) scheduled some vacations. Like I'm trying to get ahead before the summer hits so that we know what, what we're doing each week. Because if not, it can get very chaotic. And I'm trying to get some structure in there. We've got sports camps science camps, like uh, all types of camps you could possibly imagine. I mean, and they sound fun, to be honest. Like you got Pokemania camp and Minecraft camp. And uh, Cash is like uh, finally at the age where he can do camp. So he's now five and most camps in the area take five-year-olds. And he is just like pumped. Like sign him up for any camp and he is like on it. So I think they'll have a fun summer ahead. It's just, it can get a little bit crazy just trying to find things to do with all of them and also balance, like, we still have to do, like, do work stuff during the week. So, yeah. yeah. And we don't want our kids in camps every day. We don't want other people taking care of our children. So, I, you know, I've told you no. I want to go, like, for a week or two and just drive with well, them Well, they're just, like, three-hour-a-day camps. It's right. not like we ship them away. No, no. They've never done any overnight camps before. But we have camps, and then I did schedule a coast. We're going to go to Port Aransas for a couple of days. I, I found a really cool house. It's got, like, a game room, just some really fun, like, like a huge bunk bedroom. And then we're going to go to Kalahari, which we've never been to before. Yeah. We've been to Great Wolf Lodge, but... So it'll be fun. We we don't typically take like huge, huge vacations right now. They're just too young to like hop on a plane yeah, and go to that sounds Disney awful. World. Um, I I can't wait till we can do that, but right now it's just not. Coop like, hits me almost every week with a when I can know, we go to Disney? I know, and I think I think we might maybe try a Disney trip and leave the younger two behind. I think that's a possibility. I know a lot of people don't always agree with that, but I've seen a lot of people do that actually, and that way you can spend some time with your older ones, and then you can go again the next time and take the other ones. I just. I don't want the older ones to miss out on that experience because we've got like younger ones too, that it's more difficult to take a, you know, one-year-old through Disney world. That's just. And Cole Cole is pretty good when we do things that he can't participate in. He does like to kind of watch his brothers, but I do feel it's unfair. Uh, Cash even is at the age where if we go to like a place, we went to Fiesta, Texas a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. and he can't ride the rides and he feels a little bit left out. So I want to make sure that Cole, if we were to go maybe next year, he'll be three. He'll still be kind of left out of a lot of things. Yeah. So. So Anyways, I mean, our kids enjoyed Fiesta Texas like they were at Disney World. So. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll love Kalahari, too. So we like to do trips that are, you know, a couple of hours from our house. I, and I want to make sure that our kids actually appreciate uh, all the things that we do with them for them. So I don't know if they'd be too young to really appreciate going to a kind of like the big the lifetime trip of Disney. I only went once in my life yeah. when I was like I've 12 years old. Once, yeah. We're yeah. not one of those families that's going to go to Disney every year. We're not. No. I know there's those Disney people that go like all yeah. the time, but that's just not us. I think we'll do it. You know, we've got plenty of years to go. So, so let's introduce the big topic of the day, and and we really just kind of wanted to talk about uh, parenting, parenting of our kids. You know, kind of our influence in parenting, how we grew up, and and we're parented. 
uh, as kids and kind of how we parent our own, uh, you know, group of children. Yeah, so. we seem to get a, a lot of parenting, uh, co-parenting questions, which co-parenting is probably something we'll have to cover in a totally different podcast, uh, just because I'm not sure we can squeeze in all of that at once. But I guess just starting out kind of the way that we were parent, like how our parents raised us, I think is probably quite different from one another. Um, so my dad is a truck driver and he was gone a lot. Um, he would work like five days on and then he would have a week off and then he'd work a week and then he'd be out. Like it was always different, but he was gone a lot. And so my mom was like the main parent of the house. And then when my dad would come home, um, of course he was also a parent, but my mom was just used to doing everything almost by herself. My dad was mostly, I want to say he was probably less hard on me as the only girl versus my brothers. Not to say that like he wasn't hard on me. I just feel like he was probably a little bit more lenient with some of the things that I did. But the main thing I remember was like, my dad was very, um, he was an elder at our church and very conservative. And so he would make sure (laughs) that what I was wearing before I left the house was, was very, very appropriate. And so my, like my standard of things that like, if I do a bikini try on, on Instagram, I'm like, I don't think I should be doing this. You still feel <laughs> that heat of your dad might call you and ask you why you're not <laughs> yes. fully dressed. And obviously like my dad like does not care now. Like, of course I am not like walking around in super thing like things that are not appropriate for my age. But you know, my dad is not like that towards me now. I just remember growing up feeling like I was constantly being watched for what I walked out in. And I wasn't like a, promiscuous child or anything. It was just, he was very particular on that. And probably because I was his only daughter, but that is definitely kind of translated to who I am today is like, I'll be out shopping with Sydney or I'll see Sydney wearing something that's not even like that bad. And I'm thinking in my head, Oh man, my dad would never let me wear that. But whatever she's wearing is not even like that bad. It's just like ingrained in me that he was so hard on me with what I wore. Like the um, length of the things, like, you know, I've, I've said, um, her, where they couldn't wear sleeveless shirts, you know, the shorts or whatever skirt had to be like knee length. No, it, it wasn't like my skirt needs to be knee length. Definitely the length of the shorts was a thing. Uh, we couldn't wear shorts to school. So our dress code at school, I was in a public school, but it was very like, they definitely would check your dress code. It was not lenient at all. So I couldn't wear like super short shorts. Um, and he was very like, if anything had, like, I remember wearing a shirt that was like off the shoulder with like some lace on the shoulder and he did not like the lace because it looked like I was wearing like some type of Victoria's like Secret bra underneath. And yeah. I didn't think anything of it, but I just remember feeling like, Oh God, my dad's so hard on me with what I wear. And he probably wasn't any worse than any most fathers uh, these days, but it does translate a lot into, to, and I don't have any girls besides Sydney. And so I feel like I want to protect her in the way that my dad did, but also not be as hard on her. So um, when we're out shopping, I'm like looking for bikinis or one pieces that will cover like everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she'll come back from her mom's with like some other bikini that's like a lot smaller than the one that I was you know, looking at and I'm like, yeah. And (laughs) you know, to kind of put it in there, I, I I have at times 
been a little concerned with some of the selections that she makes. Um, I want to give her the freedom to make her own decisions. But when there's been like a two short shorts where, you know, like part of the cheek is close, in my opinion, of dumping out that joint, I will pull her to the side. I don't want to embarrass her in front of you. I don't want to yell at her. But I want to get her to think about what she's wearing and how that's perceived. But I also don't want to give boys, men, adults the permission that they can look at my daughter in a certain way. And that's her fault because it's not her fault the way that boys or men look at girls or women. Definitely don't feel like this is an issue with Sydney at all. Like, so I don't want anyone to think that like she dresses bad because she's like super conscious of like when we're shopping, she's not like out trying to pick out the most. No, she's that's not her. like hippie yeah, style. She, she, she wears more like baggy type like right. clothes and stuff. So this is not really an issue with her at all. Um, I just, the way that I see it is just from, you know, the way that I was brought up. And so anyways, uh, I just have boys, so it's super easy to dress them. You just get a little matching athletic outfit and say, here you go. It's got a baseball on it. <laughs> when I grew up, my my father was uh, a military brat. My my grandfather was in, was in the Army and participated in World War II. Um, it wasn't really my grandfather. I, he died when I was six years old, so I, I only remember from pictures. I remember the funeral but I don't have a lot of memories with my grandfather other than my mom saying that he was just a really nice, kind person. But my grandmother was very uh, attached to the military lifestyle and being very formal. So my dad was raised very formal. He didn't wear jeans to school. He wore like slacks and like, you know, button down shirts. And the expectation was that I would also be a little bit more strict. Like they didn't want me to wear jeans. And so my dad was very... Uh, he was a little bit more loose um, than I think he was raised because he, I, I don't know if he resented it, but around my grandmother, he was still very like wanting to walk the line of uh, being the good boy and, and would put that pressure on me to kind of fall in line. So are you saying you weren't allowed to wear jeans like to high school? No, I was, but my mom almost kind of had to fight for it, like okay. to tell him to kind of relax a little bit. There was just a kid and it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, my, my household was, uh, fairly strict. Um, my behavior was always being washed and I had an expectation. I wasn't a bad kid and I didn't get into trouble, but I, I've always felt like I was being parented to do things the right way. And I didn't really know what the right way was. Like your every move was just being critiqued. Yeah. Like I, you know, had to have things a certain way. Um, and I never felt like I was overparented, but I, I just felt like I was critiqued a lot on how I was acting, what I was doing, or at least that was the way our family was. So everything just felt very formal. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I was at any point rebelling against the structure. It just felt like I had to be a certain way in order to get along. Almost like you had to be perfect. Yes. um, That perfectionist mindset is something I developed um, where even now I feel like it's difficult for me to make mistakes. I don't like to do things unless I can complete them. I have a hard time finishing tasks all the way if I'm afraid that it's going to be judged. So that all feels like things that that I have developed um, because of that. And so when I look at our kids, I, I do my best to try to step away from perfectionism. 
allow them to make mistakes, encourage them to try things where they may fail, encourage them to do things to the best of their ability and not hold back for fear of failure or judgment. When I was growing up, not like overly, like didn't expect me to be perfect, pretty lenient or relaxed. And, and my dad also, he was a little bit more uptight, I guess, with a lot of things. So I feel like I had, I had a great childhood and, and an upbringing. And I did too. I want to make sure that I'm being respectful of my parents. I had a very loving, supportive upbringing. I had a great relationship with my grandmother and my, my mom, I guess, was the one that was a little bit softer and she's the one I would go to. Like if I wanted to ask to do anything, I went to mom. Oh yes. And I didn't want her to say, go ask your dad. Well, Cooper came into the bathroom the other day and asked me if he could have a cookie. Like he had to come all the way to the bathroom Mm -hmm. to ask me and you were sitting right in the living room. And I said, why didn't you just ask your dad? And he just smiled at me and I said, because you know that I'm going to say yes and dad's going to say no. And he just was like, had this grin on his face. And I said, you have to eat your dinner first and then you can have a cookie. And (laughs) it's like the typical ask mom first because she's probably going to say yes and dad's going to say no. So I think my my mom kind of uh, wanted to protect me from a little bit of that perfectionism um, or the expectations. I don't know how that affected me. Other than I, I, I always had somebody to go to if I felt a little scared of going to dad or if I was getting in trouble with dad uh, or was afraid of it, I would go to mom. I think a lot of my parent, if my dad would have an issue with what I'm wearing, he would tell my mom mm-hmm. and my mom would then tell me because he didn't want to be like the bad guy to tell me. So he would, my mom would do it, but I knew that it was coming from him. So I think that he meant well in everything. It just seemed like during that, you know, 16 year old phase that I was just being watched under a microscope, but I don't, it probably wasn't really that bad. It was just, I was 16 years old. My, my dad was a very academic, uh, high performer, did really, really well in school. Like that was kind of his thing. He, he did sports, like he did golf. Um, but he was really strong in school And so he valued that and I really valued sports and wanted to be a good athlete. So we ran into conflicts when I wouldn't get the best grades because I didn't, I I feel like now I love to learn things that I'm interested in, but in school I, I felt like I was pushed to learn things that I didn't see the relevance in. I didn't see how it relates to my life and I wasn't interested in it. And it's really difficult for me to, put a lot of effort into something if I'm not interested or I don't see the relevancy of my life. And that created a lot of conflict. If I got a bad grade, math was a real struggle for me. It was always easy for him. I remember reading his like uh, his yearbook and it was like, Larry, thank you so much for helping me with my math homework. Thank you for helping me with my English or stuff like that. I, I always felt like that was a, a trouble spot in our relationship. And I don't think it's un, it's fair for me to say that it was my father's fault for wanting me to get good grades and wanting me to be successful in school because we all know that's important. Well, maybe his definition of success is different than your definition right. of success. Like if he was successful at math and he wants you to be successful at mm-hmm. math or, you know, that could come across as, well, maybe you were successful in baseball. So you want our boys to be successful in right. baseball. Um, and I think you do a great, great job of 
you know, whatever it is that they're into, whether it's not baseball, you're still going to find a way to be able to interact with them and whatever it is that they love. And I think that's something that's extremely important because not all of your kids are going to like what you like and you've got to find a way to, to interact and be interested in what it is that they love because that can be a, a huge divider in your relationship with your child. Um, I have to support my kids, uh, even if their goals, interests, and aspirations are different from mine. Sydney is not very interested in athletics, and I think the only time she's participated in a lot of it is because of the pushing or suggestion by me and her mom. Like, you should try swimming, you should do track, you should do softball. Uh, She was a hard no on that, and it kind of hurt me that she wasn't willing to give it a try. But I, I have learned that if my daughter's going to feel that she is loved the same as our other kids, I need to embrace her interests. Uh, so her love of music, uh, she's in the band, she does really well in school, she's a very good caretaker of the younger kids, she's got a lot of patience, uh, a lot of things that I feel like I've lacked in my life, she's very strong with, and I need to compliment her often tell her I love her and make sure that she doesn't feel like I'm favoring the boys because they're more like me. I've, I have seen, um, that question asked a few times about just, you know, how do you connect with your child when they like things that you don't know anything about? And I think it's just, you know, figuring it out. Like we've got a lot of kids and the chances are that they're not all going to want to be baseball players. They're not all going to want to do sports. They're all going to want to do something different. And you have to just really try to step into their world and figure out what it is that they love and then ask them questions about it. Like Carter loves football and basketball. And I don't know anything about football and basketball, but when we're riding in the car together and he's telling me all the things about it, I ask as many questions as I can. Like I'm learning about all these players that now, I mean, now I know who Joe, is it Joe Burrow is or whatever? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm learning all these players and now I feel super smart when I'm talking about football and basketball. I'm going to tell them you knew Joe Burrow. Oh, well, I'm learning all the players, but I, I have no, really have no interest in any of these things, but I will But you have an interest in your kid. I do. I love my kid. And so I'm going to sit and listen to all the basketball and the football things and try my hardest to step into his world and understand why he loves these things. And, you know, Coop loves drawing and Sonic and all the characters. And like, I know all the characters now, like you just got to find a way to figure out what it is that they love and be a part of that with them. And and Coop um, is a interest switcher like he really loves he switches things often he loves a lot of things you can look at that as a kid that has no focus or direction or you can look at as a kid who is sampling a lot of things and that's the way i choose to look at it especially being a coach where we have the debate specialization versus playing multiple sports specialization you will advance further in that sport at an early age because you're spending all of your time on it the problem is by not sampling other sports, you're limiting your kid's interest and the development of other talents. I don't know if Coop is going to be interested or successful in baseball. So I want and encourage him to try football and basketball and not just that, but I encourage him to draw and 
want him to read books. And I talk to him about space. Yeah, all of our kids are so different. So one way of parenting doesn't like match each child. Like they all have to be parented in a different way because they all have uh, a different personality. They all have a different love language. And so you have to really pay attention to your child and how they react to different styles of parenting. And it's not easy. It's not a one parenting fits all type for all of our kids. Well, and furthermore, we have to try to compliment each other and follow along sometimes or let the other person lead when it comes to sports. I'm like, good job, honey. Now stand back. This is my realm and let me take care of this. But when the kids are just in the house you are the one that often introduces them to new activities. You are more nurturing. You are more calm and relaxed. And I do my best as someone who is a little bit more on the high strung side. I get that. I feel like I, I mirror my father. I'm grateful for my father. My father was a great dad. There are certain aspects of his personality that created conflict with me. And I didn't want to mirror those aspects of his personality. We know that we're going to be making our own mistakes as parents, that our kids will eventually look at us and say that we're not perfect people, and they will will copy what they loved about us and will adapt or change what they didn't. So that's the way I, I, I look at myself is there are aspects of me, that my personality that are kind of ingrained either just because I'm very like the temperament of my parents or because I was influenced by them. I, I just want to be an ever-growing evolving person that figures things out when my kids are older, I'll say, I, you know, I, I got better with each one of them. Well, I can confirm that you most definitely have. I mean, I don't mean it in a negative way or to like hurt your feelings or anything. As we have grown and evolved as a family, you have grown immensely as a father and I mean, you're the one who takes them to school, gets them ready half the time. I mean, I I used to, I'm a very, I like to have control of everything, every situation. And so usually it was like, I would have to pick out the kids' clothes. I would have to make their lunches. I would have to do all the things to make sure it was exactly the way that I wanted it to be. And I've let go of a lot of that. I mean, you've taken care of pretty much all of that in the last year or two, I would say. Like the kids are dressed and I just really don't care at this point. <laughs> You've got clothes on. Great. You make their lunches. You take them to school, drop them off. You are there for after school. You're taking them to the park. You're playing outside with them. They spend a lot of time outside, which is not something that I love to do. And so the kids connect with you on that level when you're spending that time with them. In the car, I know that they have like these songs that y'all play together on your We've way got to our playlist. Yep. And I just think that that's so cool um, that they've got this relationship with you that is so strong. And that's something that I, I love about you is how wonderful of a father you are. Thank you. Um, I just want to continue to grow and evolve. I, I feel like I've always asked for permission to do things when I was... Growing up, I, I had to ask for permission to do stuff. So even in our relationship, I ask, I would be in the habit of asking permission to do things. And I've learned um, to try to take more initiative without asking, do things that are more helpful to you and to our family. 
So just stepping up and trying to be a better father because I've seen your example and the positive effect that you've had on our kids. If you ask me to take them to the park, I want to say, yes, please take them to the park. But then I don't want to feel like I'm putting you out because you're having to take them to the park. So then it's load them up, go to the park. Then it's just way easier for me. (laughs) And sometimes I just say what I'm going to do with them because I know that it will offer you an opportunity to either take a breather or get other stuff done or, you know, spend time with Cam. Because Cam, obviously babies just take all of your attention and it's really difficult for you to kind of parse out attention helping the other kids. Because when we first unload the car at the end of the day, when we come home from school, everybody wants to talk with mom and everybody wants something from you. So I do my best to, to take part in that. One thing that I, I really want is I want to develop our kids' initiative, um, their own internal motivation to do things and not feel like they have to get permission from me or from you to do things. And then as we go, I can kind of tell them things that are maybe not acceptable or things that they can't do. I just don't want them to always look over their shoulder and think, well, will dad be okay with this? The other morning, Carter said he, so Carter is my natural, like firstborn, very mature and like does all of the typical like firstborn type things. So he wakes up with his alarm gets ready for school on his own. And he went down and made his lunch, his brother's lunch, woke up his brothers, made their breakfast, like all of the things the other morning. And I was so proud of him for just being so... He's very self-sufficient. Yes, being so self-sufficient. And, um, you know, Sydney is obviously very self-sufficient, being the oldest and then, a you know, a girl. She's a little bit more mature Um, but I can see as our kids grow, the more self-sufficient they become. It's, it's bittersweet because it's like they can now do these things on their own and nobody has to tell them, but yet that also means that they don't necessarily need me to do everything for them anymore. And that's, it's bittersweet. It's, but that's success as a parent, right? Success as a parent is when they leave us, they can live their own life, make their own good decisions they want us in their life, but they don't need us to do everything for them or to guide them along the way. I, I still hope that they they seek my advice uh, in certain aspects, but I will feel proudest if Sydney and the kids all just leave the house and, and are living their own life and, and are successful people that are conscious of others and take care of, uh, of everyone. So would you, as far as parenting styles go, would you say that our parenting styles are very different? Are they similar? Like, have we really had to work on those things as, you know, when we met and when we met, we already had kids. So we were parenting alone, um, in our own ways. And then we had to, then we got married, had to parent these kids plus all the ones that we had together. So what do you, do you think that we, I think my biggest growth has been, uh, in my relationship with Carter, as I've continued to like evolve in our relationship, I now know that I cannot parent Carter the way that I parent the other kids because Carter is, he just receives things differently. And I need to make sure that he knows that I care about him. And I'm not, I think strictness with Carter is perceived as being mean, that I don't care for him the same way that I do for the other kids. He, he almost pushes back a little bit. So I've had to more 
have more conversations with Carter, be more open with him, talk to him more as an adult in private about why I do things, why I don't want him to do certain things. Uh, And I have also learned that I just sometimes just need to be more lenient and let him go and do things. And he wants control. I want control. And I've got to let him have some of that. Sometimes I need to let him lead the younger kids. You know, he's, he's an older kid and he's going to do some older, older kid things. I was also an older brother and I also did those things. So I can't see that as being something that's abnormal. I just have to accept that that's kind of the way it is. Overall, he is an awesome big brother and uh, his younger brothers look up to him. So I'm very thankful for his relationship with Cooper and, and Cash and Cole and Gam. So. <laughs> So what are what are some of the things that you feel like we still could do better as parents? I feel like if I was to pick like one thing that I could do better is just like getting on the level with the younger kid, like getting on the level of maybe Cole or Cash and doing like that, the playing with the cars on the ground or building the Legos and stuff like that. I'm not... I'm, I'm not great at doing that. And I know that there are a lot of parents out there that that's, that's not a, like sitting down and playing with toys is not exactly your favorite thing to do. But I think about things um, like, you know, if, if crew was here, I would give anything to sit and play with cars or Legos or, or anything like that on the floor with him. So it sh- changes my mindset. Um, a a lot of times my mindset is completely changed when I think about that. And the fact that my kids are growing up so, so quickly, I don't want to (laughs) cry, but those things are so important, um, to get down and play with them on the floor like that, because, you know, Carter doesn't want to sit and play on the floor anymore. Um, and neither does Cooper. And I know it sounds like silly, but sometimes in the middle of your day, like that's the last thing that you want to do. Really. You've got, um, appointments to schedule and bills to pay and work to do and things to respond to and just life in general. And we just need to take the time to slow down and sit down and, and play with your kids and really, really enjoy them for who they are and not just see them as, you know, a distraction or, or from your work, because I mean, your kids are, and should be your your priority. All of that to say, it's not necessarily about like sitting down and playing cars and Legos on the floor. It's just enjoying them at each stage that they're in because it goes so, so fast. When I look at our kids, I often think, man, this, this stage is so fun. You know, like Coop and uh, Cash just now starting sports. Like this is so fun. And Carter now is playing more competitive sports. So when the younger ones get to that stage, it'd be like, man, this is so fun. And Sydney, you know, Sydney's in middle school and I'm looking forward to her high school and like, you know, the kind of the older kids activities, that's going to be fun. But I look back at pictures like when they come up on Facebook and I'm like, wow, I don't think I always was present when she was like four years old. And that's my favorite age. I look back at pictures and think, man, I could have done more. I could have been more involved at that point in my life. I was still kind of reeling from divorce and trying to figure out how my life was going to go. And I missed some opportunities with her. Well, sometimes even if you like see a picture of Cooper or Cash when they were younger, you'll say like, I just don't remember yeah. them when they were little. And I know it's, it might be a little bit harder for you. Um, I spend like the good first year, like with them almost 24 seven, just because I, 
I breastfeed them for the whole year. And so they're kind of just attached to me. And then um, they enter that toddlerhood and nobody has been quite as close as you and Cole though. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're constantly with each other. Um, and we're very, I wouldn't say we're very different personality. He's a different personality from anybody else in the house. And that's kind of, uh, I've learned to, uh, em- embrace that. Yeah. It's an endearing quality. Yes. And he will, he will go far with his personality. Um, but I just, I look now at all our kids and I'm thankful for all the differences that make each one stand out from the other. I don't want all my kids to be robots. I don't, I mean, sounds awesome that they would all want to be all great baseball players or softball players. But at the end of the day, it's their life to lead and I need to support them in their journey, wherever it goes and learn to appreciate it. I was hoping for like one gymnast out of the family, but it looks like that probably won't happen. So I'm just Cash <laughs> was asking today on the way to school. I just let it go. No, Cash was asking, Dad, I want to do, uh, he said, Gujitsu. I was like, it's Jiu-Jitsu. That's <laughs> just the cartoon. And he said, I don't want to do gymnastics. And I said, okay, I'll yes. tell your mom to sign you up. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm supportive of all that. Um, oh. And my personal, just mm-hmm. so I can make sure that I, I say it, I... I want to, and I feel like the biggest thing I've worked on the last two years is to be more patient in chaos because there is a lot of chaos and I'm not comfortable in it. And I recognize it's not always the kids' issues. Um, You know, they're just being kids. But I have trouble standing still or sitting still while things are going crazy. Um, So that's a huge focus. And one is making sure that I am responding to things and not reacting to things um, because I tend to, when when something happens, to react really quickly emotionally, and I don't want that to be my default character. I want to take a second, take a deep breath, take a moment, count to five, and then respond rationally to what my kids are doing. Um, I see very clearly in, in post after the fact, what I should have done in certain situations or how I could have been better as a father or a leader in that moment, but I don't always respond the way I want to immediately. And I think that's the biggest gap for me to close to be a better parent, at least in this at this moment. I feel like we should now talk about things that disgust us about the other person. <laughs> <laughs> that's the awkward question of the day. What are your icks about each other? So I'm going to let you lead this off, honey, because uh, I want to hear what disgusts you about me. Not disgust. Don't don't get I feel disgusted. Like disgust but what is dis- a really like yeah, terrible word because there's not anything that you do that disgusts me. But when you are snoring in the middle of the night, like when you are on your back, when you're on your side, you don't snore. But when you're on your back and you're snoring, I just want to reach over and just like... You're gritting your teeth right now. Maybe just... You've smacked me several times. Let's not pretend that you like pat me. Mm-hmm. You punched me. No, punch is a strong. I have not punched you. I have not inflicted any harm on you. Like my ears are so sensitive when I'm sleeping that that will wake me up. But I'm also afraid that you're going to wake up Cam, who is in the crib in our room. And I work so hard at night to get that kid to sleep that by the time he's sleeping and if you're snoring wakes him up, I'm be so mad. And then... When you flip flop in the bed, like when you're changing positions, it is not like a graceful just turn of the side from one to the other. It is like moves, rocks the whole bed. Like, And I will sit up out of bed and just stare at you in the dark. 
<laughs> when you do that, like you've got seven pillows facing one way and you want to go the other way. So you like grab all your pillows and you're just like, <laughs> and I just want to sit up and just wring your neck. You got a lot out right there. Uh, I didn't know that I feel better now. hurt you so deep uh, with my unconscious actions. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'll tell you you're snoring and then you look up it, like you'll wake up and you'll be like, I wasn't even sleeping. Because sometimes How that's is true. That even I'm literally awake and you just want to be mean. You swear every time when I tell you that you're snoring so loud. He'll be like, I wasn't even asleep. How could I be snoring? I'm like, you tell me. How are you snoring and awake? Well, let's talk about your icks, honey, right. or the things. Um, on. Lay them on me. You you are a, a, a pale individual. <laughs> um, the sun has not been your friend. And so you you used to tan, but now you don't. You go get, you get spray tanned, mm -hmm. which sounds awesome. I'm not going to lie. You stand like... You're just like standing up in a room, like Naked. fully unclothed. Mm -hmm. And then somebody just, it's mm -hmm. a girl, right? Yeah, she, yes. Fully, like she just, like how do they, is it just like body paint? What are they, uh, what are they doing to you? It's a spray. Like it, I don't remember what it has in it that like reacts with your skin and it turns brown, but you just stand in like a little tent and I wear underwear and she just sprays me down. Well, but what you're talking about is because I know what you're going to say. Yeah. You're talking about when I would go to the tanning booth and you have to like stand in the sprayer like you stand in the booth and this, the machine does it, not a person. And when you stand there, the tan like will drip down to your feet and then you're like standing in the tan. Mm -hmm. and, and you got like really like it's abnormally weird dark feet he hates it oh, when my feet are tan like is it the top of my feet or just the bottom of no my feet? it's like the top of your feet just get this weird like orangey dark orangey not beautiful not feet. It, yeah it's just it just grosses me out i don't know what the deal is i also am grossed out by dirty feet like let's say you're you know you're in the house in you know, you walk around barefoot all the time. No, I don't. I wear slippers. Okay. But, but you do like sometimes walk around with sometimes. barefoot and it's not a big deal. But if you like go outside with the kids and you're walking around outside and your bare feet and your the bottom of your feet gets dirty. I don't do I that. Don't. I think you're thinking of somebody else. No, you have done that sometimes <laughs> and it's just kind of gross. I don't know. I'm, I don't know why feet, I'm not a foot fetish person. There's nothing about feet that is like, Ooh, that's, that's nice. It's more that they just gross me out. Um, well, when you stop flipping, flopping in the bed so loud and storing, I'll, I won't walk outside without shoes ever again, which I usually always have shoes on. So I'm not sure like you know, what account you're talking about. I'm never outside without shoes. No, like, see, that's the difference between the two of us. If there's groceries outside, I'll walk outside from the house to the car to get the groceries out barefoot. You have to go sock up, shoes on, yep. tie the laces. By the time you do all that, I could have went and got the groceries out of the car already. Which is why you normally text me exactly. like three minutes before you get home. Or, or I just do need it help. myself and I don't ask because I'd rather just get it done quickly instead of waiting for you to get your shoes on. So <sighs> I hope that you've uh, you know gotten an insight into um, how we parents our kids and how we gross each other out. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for joining us here, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.